Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. The last several weeks, as you know, we've been, we've been doing a series, or I have, uh, on divine healing. And I, I, I look to be able to conclude this today and, and move on to another subject. But uh, the last couple of weeks, we were looking especially at the book of Isaiah. Uh, I don't know if two weeks ago, but sure, for sure last week. So I want us to go over there again and turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. And we're going to look at some verses that we spoke about uh, last Sunday, but I want to go back and reiterate some things that I said and then draw some very important conclusions and, uh, and get our, our focus where it should be when it comes to God's healing power. Amen. Isaiah 53, like I said before, the book of Isaiah and particularly the 53rd chapter of Isaiah is unparalleled in the Old Testament. Of course, we know that all of the, of the Old and the New Testament is inspired of God. It's all God breathes and so it's all the word of God. But as far as the revelation of truth, no other uh, uh, chapter in the Old Testament surpasses or I don't even believe even rises to touch the importance of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah because in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah we have the most complete and thorough presentation of the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. It's all talking about the servant of the Lord, the suffering servant of the Lord and that was referring to Jesus. These prophecies and these words were written hundreds and, and hundreds of years before Christ came and they point to the cross they point to the work that Jesus did on the cross. And like I said, there's no other scripture that, that has such a complete and, and, and thorough presentation of the redemptive work of Christ than this chapter. And so we're gonna, believe, we're gonna begin reading in verse 53. Last week, I think we started in 52, but we're gonna start in, in chapter 53, verse one. It says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughters and as a shear before its shears is silent, so as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. 
But when you make his soul an offering for sin, you shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the, of the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Like I said, this prophecy was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever came on the scene and it's such a, a clear picture of what happened on the cross. And uh, it, it has to do with the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Now, when I talk about healing uh, in the redemptive plan of God, you'll notice, or, or, you, or you should notice, I'd like for you to notice, because it's important, that I always refer to healing in the redemptive work of Christ. Now, one of the older phrases that people used many years, for many years, in talking about what Jesus did on the cross, they talk about what happened in the atonement of Christ. You need to understand that the word atonement means a, a covering. And it's really an Old Testament concept. Because in the Old Testament, atonement was made for sin. Sin was never really removed, it was covered. That's what the word atone means. It means to make a covering. And so in the Old Testament, when, that, when the blood of animals was shed to make atonement, it covered the sins of the people. They were still sinners. Their sins still existed. Their sins were not wiped away, they were covered. And because of that covering and that atonement, God's judgment would pass over them. Now in the New Testament, we don't have atonement, we have full redemption because the blood of Jesus doesn't just cover our sins, it cleanses our sins. Your sins and my sins no longer exist. The things that you did before you were born again and the sins that you've committed since then that you've confessed and brought before the Lord. The Bible says, he said, your, your sins I will remember no more. Not only do, do they not exist, God's not even aware of them anymore. I, I'm t let me tell you again, let me say it again. Our sins have been washed away. They haven't just been merely covered, they have been done away with. They're gone and God can't even remember them. He said, I will not, he say, well, God can do anything. He could, but he won't do what he said he won't do. God can do anything but lie. He cannot lie. And when he says, I will remember your sins no more, that means he's bound by his own word not to do it. Listen, don't go around reminding God of your past sins. It's bad manners. It's bad manners to go around reminding God of something that he has said, I will not remember that. If you want to have a conversation with God, don't be telling him about your sins because if you do, like we were talking about this in the office this week, you know, when, the, uh, when uh, it said that the Pharisees, you know, smote their chest and they said, oh, I think I'm not like other men, you know, I tithe. It says that they prayed thus with themselves. They thought they were praying with God, but they were just praying with themselves. If you want to be talking to God, don't be talking about your sins because if you do, you're having a one-way conversation. Amen. He's not listening to you. Praise the Lord. Well, amen. Now, here in Isaiah 53, it talks about what happened on the cross and the redemption. And the thing that we've been focusing in on is the, 
the fact that our healing, our deliverance from physical sickness and disease was included in the redemptive work of Christ. Like I said, sometimes you'll read people will say, you know, that healing is provided for all in the atonement. Well, I I don't like to use that word because when Jesus came along, it was no longer atonement. It was total cleansing. So healing is provided for us in the redemptive plan of God. Now, how do we know that? We looked at verse three, four, five, and 10 and 11 and 12, and 11 and 12. Let's look at verse number four today. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We pointed out that the word griefs there in the Hebrew is the word koli, and it literally means sickness. Now, I don't know why I never studied this out before, Probably because when I made my original notes for the series that I'm teaching from, I made them over 30 years ago and I didn't have a computer at the time and I didn't have the means of searching all of this out. But I did this this morning. I don't know why, I just I woke up this morning, I thought about it. So I looked it up in, on my computer and I ran the reference of every time the word koli is used in the Old Testament. It's used 24 times in the Old Testament. And... 20 of those times is translated sickness or disease. Two of the times, so that leaves four times that it's not translated that way, and we find them right here in verse number three and verse number four. And then there are two other times, and they're in both in Jeremiah, and I looked at both of those references, and you could easily put sickness and disease there instead of, uh, of griefs. So the overwhelming evidence is that it says he, surely he has borne our sicknesses. See, griefs can, can apply to a lot of things. Now, sickness is, is grievous. If you've ever been sick, you know it's not fun. But grief can cover a lot of things. Grief can, you know, there's the grief that people experience when a loved one dies or a friend dies or some other tragedy happens, brings grief. And then the word sorrows. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In the same way that the word griefs has been translated translated sickness, the word pain, or the word, sorry, the word uh, sorrows has been translated pains in the Old Testament. Now, not as many times, but there are times when the word sorrows has been translated pains. It's the word makob. So which is it? Is it? Is it grief and sorrow or is it sickness and pain? Now, like I said, the King James and and a lot of older translations translate it that way. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But if you look at the evidence of how those words were used elsewhere, then it would would certainly give you the permission and the right to, to suggest that it could be sicknesses and pains. But you know, you have to look at the context to see what he's talking about. So if you read on down, it says in verse five, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, we are healed. Everybody say healed. So now we have additional weight to support the idea that this is talking about sickness and pain because he says by his stripes, we are healed. Can you see that? So that adds weight, it adds to the sport. The context then would reflect that this should be translated sickness and pains, not grief and sorrows. But like I said last week, the greatest proof, the number one thing that absolutely uh, 
clenches it and just seals the deal is Matthew chapter eight. Turn over there with me, Matthew chapter eight. You know, the, the Bible, the scripture says that all scripture, the Bible says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That word inspiration means God breathed. So all scripture, Old Testament and New Testament was given by the spirit of God. Holy men of old spoke or wrote as they were moved on by the spirit. So the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Well, you know, and I have several volumes of, of commentaries in my study, you know, I have full sets and individual sets. So I've got sets on the whole Old Testament and I've got individual volumes on, on particular books, you know. So I've got a lot of commentaries written by men. And, and men make comments. They make commentaries on the Bible and they tell you what they believe it, it means and they give you the reasons for why they believe it means what it says. But you know, the greatest commentary would be God's commentary. Yes, well, Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter eight, the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to quote Isaiah 53, four. And here's the way the Spirit had Matthew write this. In, in, well, let's start in verse 16. The quote is in verse 17. We'll start in verse 16. It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. So now we know that the, that the context, the setup, is, a, is a, a situation where people were being delivered from evil spirits and they were being healed of sickness. He healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So in the New Testament, we have God's Commentary, the Holy Spirit's commentary on his interpretation of what he said in the Old Testament. That's pretty good. To me, that, that, that seals the deal. Surely he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Now, nearly every opponent of divine healing in the redemptive work of Christ Nearly every commentator or, or theological school that opposes what, what we're saying here. They take Isaiah 53 to mean that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our, they, they have to acknowledge that that's what it means. But then what they say is that the, the prophecy in Isaiah where Isaiah said, surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pain. And when, and when it was fulfilled here, like it says that it might be fulfilled, that this prophecy of Jesus carrying our sickness and our pains was not fulfilled on the cross, but was fulfilled in the earthly ministry of Jesus. In other words, when he walked the shores of Galilee healing the sick, that that's the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, 4. Now, the teenagers, whenever they graduate from high school, we've, we've done this for decades, we give all of our high school graduates a Bible as a gift from the church when they graduate, and we've been giving them a, a Schofield, as we still do that. We've been giving Schofield reference Bibles for, for decades. And the reason we do that is 
the Schofield Reference Bible is an excellent reference Bible. It, how many bad, former Baptist people do we have in here? Anybody? Have you ever heard of Schofield Reference Bible? Sure, virtually every Baptist has heard of the Schofield's Reference Bible. It's like a standard reference Bible. The reason I use it is and, and give it to the, to the youth when they graduate from high school is because it has so many good notes and outlines and, and, and discussions about the major themes, the major doctrines of the Bible. And I agree, I suppose, with about 98%. Never actually sat down and calculated, but I'm, a, I'm assuming I, I, everything I've read has been a blessing to me, except a little small portion. And in Schofield's reference Bible, there's a note in Isaiah 53, 4, where he makes this comment. He says, Jesus fulfilled this, pro this prophecy in his earthly ministry, or words to that effect. Now, the interesting thing about that is that they say that when, when, when Jesus healed people, he healed people not as, a, not as something that was done on the cross, but something that was done in his earth ministry. But it's interesting that everything else in this chapter is referring, I'm talking about Isaiah 53. Everything in Isaiah 53 has to do with Jesus' work on the cross. So why would one portion of it not be? Another statement uh, Schofield said, he said, Jesus... Uh, bore people's sickness and, and pains by healing them, for instance, in Capernaum or Decapolis or someplace in his earthly ministry, not on the cross. Well, if you take that argument, Jesus not only healed people before the cross, he forgave people before the cross. Your sins, though there were many, are cleansed. Go and sin no more. Arise and walk, your sins are forgiven you. Well, then did Jesus forgive people in his, is, is his forgiveness, he bore our sins and our transgressions? Did he do that before the cross? You see, every, no, he did it on the cross. The forgiveness that Jesus offered people when he was there in the flesh and forgave, said your sins are forgiven you, he did that in respect to his coming redemption. Right. He did that on the basis of the fact that he was coming to pay the penalty for man's sin. Go with me over to Romans and uh, let me get there ahead of you and see if I can find the verse. Uh, I was looking at it just a little while ago. Get back to it. Just bear with me. Yeah, go to the third chapter of Romans. Now we're gonna, just to get the flow of this passage, we're gonna read some verses that you'll think I'm gonna comment on, but I'm not, so don't get tied up with them. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for, as there, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I want you to pick up on verse 24 here. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption, excuse me, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So he's talking about something that is 
in the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Now notice, notice verse 25. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. That's just a, the, a, a theological word and it means a, a uh, uh, appeasement in short. Whom God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith, that is our faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Now notice, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be righteous and the righteousness of the one who has faith in Jesus. Notice it says that in the Old Testament, and when it says in, in uh, the sins that had been previously uh, committed, he's talking about the sins of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God passed over their sins. But he could do that based on the coming work of Christ. And now, they couldn't, their sins couldn't be technically removed because Christ hadn't come. But they could be covered. And they could, and they could then avoid judgment for those sins. But it says in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that had been committed looking forward to the redemption that would come in Christ Jesus. Well, that happened right up through the, the, the first part of the New Testament up in the Gospels. That's why Jesus was able to pass over uh, the sins then. It was because of his coming redemption. Do you see that? Well, by the same token, Jesus did heal people in his earthly ministry just like he forgave people, but he did it in light of his coming redemption on the cross. In fact, if you go to the Old Testament, over and over again, when the children of Israel would get into rebellion, for instance, you know, when, God, when, when Moses and Aaron brought the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt, and the people two or three times they got into rebellion and started complaining, and what happened, it says that God sent fiery serpents Remember that? Into the camp and started destroying people. And so they were bitten by snakes. Other times diseases came upon them. And what did God tell Moses to do? He said, take a, 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 a pole and put a serpent, nail a serpent to that pole. And everyone that looks on that serpent will be healed of this plague. Well, Jesus said, just like Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. See, that's, that when Moses put that serpent on the cross, it was a type of Jesus going to the cross. He's not, he wasn't a serpent, but he went there to suffer the judgment of man. And that's what Jesus said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent on the, on the pole, even so the son of man must be lifted up. Well, the children of Israel looked on redemption. They looked on Jesus in type. That pole was a type of the cross. The serpent was a type of Christ. And when they looked on that, that representation of Jesus, they were healed. Other times when they sinned, the Lord would instruct Moses to offer up some other type of atonement. And whenever he offered the atonement, they were cleansed. All of that points to Christ. And it wasn't just their sins, it was their sicknesses they were delivered from. Well, glory to God. Now, we pointed this out too in further support of this. In verse number uh, 
4, it says, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and he has carried our sorrows, our pains. Well, the words born and carried in the Hebrew are nosal and sobal. And it's the same words in verse number 11. Let me turn back there to myself. Isaiah 53, verse number 11. Notice it says, he shall see of the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By, my, by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall, shall justify many. For he shall saw ball. He shall bear their iniquities. That's the same word that was translated carried in reference to our sicknesses and pains. And then in verse 12, in the latter part of that verse, it says, and he bore the sins of many. That's the word nosal. And it's the same word that's translated in verse four, surely he bore our sicknesses. And so we pointed out last week that these verbs to, to bear and to carry were, were used of his mediatorially, his vicarious bearing of the sins and the iniquities of the world and of us. Now that word vicarious just means something done in someone else's place. And it, and, it, and it shows that Jesus didn't just enter into fellowship with our sins. He carried them. He bore. It means to lift as if you'd lift a heavy burden and put it upon yourself and carry it away. That's what Jesus did with our sins. He took upon himself, lifted our sins and our iniquities up off of us. Well, if that's the, if that's the case, then we're free. He took them, but, but he didn't just take them off and put them somewhere else. He took the sins and placed them on himself. Or he could say God, the Father, took the sins of the world and placed them on Jesus. And in that sense, Jesus bore them. Not just in fellowship with us. He didn't just become like we were and grovel with us. He became like we were to take our obligations and to take our failures and to take our sin and he took it off of us and it was placed on him and he bore it away in judgment. And God judged him with our sins. Well, the same words are used in reference to what he did with our sickness. He also took Lifted off, the same verbs are used. He lifted off from us and, and was placed on him all of our sicknesses and pains and he carried them away. Not just, he didn't just enter into fellowship with us in, in the sense of, of being a mediator. He took our sins and our sicknesses and he suffered the consequences of that for us or in our place. Well, if he suffered in, in our place, then we don't have to suffer it. Now, you might be thinking, well, why do I still suffer sickness and disease? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you still suffer sin? Now, most people, all saved people, absolutely have no problem believing that their sins were put on Jesus. And that's what you believe to get born again. You, you accept that. 
And, and generally speaking, unless someone has, has really been raised in a, in a very perverted environment, most places in, in the Western world, especially in America, most people, if they can get beyond their rebellion against God, if you can break through that, they, they understand. They don't have a problem with the concept of Jesus took my sins. And it's easy for people to believe that. Why? Because it's been preached. It's common knowledge. So it's easy for people to believe that. And when you can get a person, when you can break through that hard shell of rebellion and resistance, you know, to God and really speak to their heart, it's very easy for a person to believe Jesus took my sins and I am, I'm free. I'm a new person. Well, how do they know? You could say, well, you feel it. Well, you do, in a, in, a, in a sense. You do sense that weight of sin being rolled off of you. But you can't really look to anything in the natural realm. You can't really prove it. You don't really have any evidence. Your shoes don't shine any brighter. The world around you might look a little brighter to you, but it's really not. What evidence you have? Only evidence you have is your faith. But, but it's easy for people to have faith for that. The reason it's easy is because it's been preached far and wide. The reason it's not so easy for people to believe that they're healed is because it hasn't been preached. That's why I'm doing this. I want your faith to become strong in what Jesus did for you on the cross, not just in forgiving your sins, but in healing your diseases. When, you, when, you, when it becomes a part of you, when, when it becomes something that you know, you just know it unconsciously. You don't even have to try to believe. It's just something you understand down here and you know it, you're persuaded of it. And, and there's nothing in this world can change your persuasion of that. That's when sickness and disease will begin to lose its hold on you. Now, surely Christians sin every now and then. Got quiet in here. Nobody wants to speak up and get pointed out. John. <laughs> Everybody understands that Christians sin, but as soon as you sin, what do you do? You go, Father, forgive me. That was wrong. I know it was wrong. Forgive me. And, and immediately, you, have, you, you just know. You just know. All I have to do is just go to the Lord. That's just all I have to do. Well, by the same token, whenever sickness comes upon you, now sickness isn't sin. I'm not equating those. They are related in the sense that they both have the same origin, okay? But they're not the same things. I'm not saying they are. But when sickness tries to attach itself to your body, take the same position you do when sin tries to attach itself to you. You might even yield to that sin, that, that thought or that deed for a moment and you realize, no, that's wrong. I'm not gonna live like this. When sickness comes on your body, the first thing you can do is resist it. Just like you resist a, 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 an evil thought. You said, no, no, I am not doing that. You can say to that symptom that comes on your body. See, the devil will put symptoms of disease on you that, that will, it'll feel like you have a certain disease. And a lot of time it's just the devil wanting to see what you'll do. Just wanting to see what you'll do. You say, nope, 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 nope. 
That's just like a picture of wrongdoing. It just came into my mind. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not thinking that. When sickness comes, you say, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that picture. You're not putting that on me. Well, see, if, you're, if you don't live with an awareness, I mean an awareness, and you have to feed this awareness. Don't think you're going to walk out of here, oh, I got it, and Thursday afternoon when some sickness hits you and you hadn't thought about it since then, you're just going to suddenly have what you have. The reason you're strong in faith now is because you're hearing the word. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. hearing the word, and that happens right now over the PA system. So it's easy to have faith in here, but the only way you can have faith when you go home is to keep hearing the word. Faith, it says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say faith comes by having heard. It doesn't say faith comes and stays by what you've heard. It says faith comes, uh, that's a, that, that, that verb in the Greek means it, it, it has a tense of a continual, present tense, ongoing action. It's something that's just, it's just something that's spinning all the time. Faith comes, comes, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, see, if you don't feed on these things, so well, I don't, I don't feed on forgiveness of sins all the time. Yeah, you don't have to because you're so established in it. But in, if, you, if you're gonna be as established in your healing as you are in your forgiveness, you're gonna have to spend some time hearing. You're gonna have to spend some time hearing. It's gonna have to be a priority to you. You're gonna have to say, I'm go, I can't afford to let myself start this day without reminding myself that surely he bore my sicknesses and carried my pains and by his stripes I'm healed. If you wanna walk in it, you're going to have to become established in it. And you see, when you get to that place, oh, glory to God, that it's established in you, when some symptom comes on your body, you, you'll just say, now, now, God, you said that if, if, if uh, the spirit of him, that's you, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, then he, that's you, who raised Jesus from the dead will also quicken my mortal body by his spirit who lives in me. Soon as something comes like that and, that, and grips you, sometimes it, it'll, it'll grip you. Oh, maybe a headache comes or something and all of a sudden, wham, it's just there. Say, so, no, I know better than this, God. And so I'm, 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 I'm expecting right now for the spirit of the living God who lives in me to quicken my mortal body. That word quicken means impart life. Impart life to my mortal body. Now he does it by the spirit and by the word. Doesn't just do by, by the spirit itself, but by the word. Go over to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. Hallelujah. Verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. See, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making the word of God part of your daily life. Now, it's good to read the Bible, just to read it, you know, just to, 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 to understand, you know, have a, a good working knowledge of the books of the Bible. I, I, oh, that's wonderful. 
But it's, it's also important to meditate in the word, to actually feed on the word of God. If you want to be strong in faith, you feed on the word of God. He said, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. I tell you what, if God's word doesn't depart from your eyes and you keep God's words in the midst of your heart, when anything comes that's contrary to the word, that word will rise up in you and say, to hold on, wait a minute, that's not according to the word of God. That's contrary to the word of God. That's contrary to Isaiah 53, 4. Notice he said, keep it in your heart and in, in, in your mouth and your eyes. For they, your, your, your words, God's words, are life to those who find them. See, the, the spirit of God who lives in us, God will use his spirit to give life, to quicken our mortal bodies. And, and it comes by the spirit, and, but he uses the word as well. It's the spirit and the word working together. For God's words are life to those that find them. And that word find in the original Hebrew, it, it doesn't mean just casually find something. It means to lay hold of something like a treasure. God's words are life to those who seize them and hold them dearly and grasp them like they're the most important things in the world. God's words are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Some, some Bibles in the margin where it says health, sometimes they'll have a note and it'll say medicine. God's words are life to those that, that, that seize them and medicine producing health to all their flesh. When this gets in you the way it needs to be in you, if you're gonna live in divine healing, when this gets in you to this degree, anytime the enemy brings anything up, any kind of a symptom whatsoever, you say, no, I'm not taking that. No, no, no. Now, I thank you, the Holy Spirit, you're taking the word of God and, and by your spirit, you are bringing, bringing life, imparting life, medicine, health to all of my flesh. Now, let's go back before I close because I wanna, I wanna make sure you see the full balanced implication of all of this. We see from Isaiah 53 that the sins and sicknesses of man were laid on Jesus. That on the cross, not just in his earthly ministry, but on the cross, Jesus bore sins and sicknesses. It was all part of one create or, or one redemptive process. It's all part of one redemptive act. You can't separate one from the other. They're two different things, but in the, you can't separate them in the sense that they all took place. Both of them were accomplished at the same time. Okay? That's why in the Old Testament, Jesus or, or God, Jehovah God, healed the children of Israel. He did it because of the coming redemption. Every time he forgave them over a bloody sacrifice, it was a type of the sacrifice Jesus would offer. Every time he healed them, it was, it was in light or in view of the sacrifice Jesus would one day make. Now, therefore, that this, this is what makes the New Testament scriptures come alive. We've looked at these before, but I want us to go over them real quickly again. And I want you to see the implication of the cross. Galatians 3, turn, turn there real quickly. Galatians 3.13, turn real quick, fast. 
Come on, Steve, get there. <laughs> Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, what's, what's the curse of the law? Well, one of the curses of the law was sickness. You don't have time to even go into that. But if you read the Old Testament, one of the curses, if you don't obey the law, you're going to be cursed. And it says all of these sicknesses that are written in this chapter and all the other sicknesses and plagues that are not written in this chapter. That would be everything, wouldn't it? It's all part of the curse. Christ has redeemed us. That, that word redeemed, when I read that, I always read it this way. It means purchased our freedom. To redeem something is to purchase something back, to buy it back. Christ bought back our freedom. He, he redeemed us. He purchased our freedom. Well, what did he purchase it with? Gold coins? No, he purchased it with himself. With his blood and his body. Not just his blood, but his body. Not just the blood that was shed, but the body that was beaten. We have two emblems when we, when we uh, observe communion. What are those two emblems? The blood and the body. Those two things cannot be separated. Well, if he redeemed us, if he purchased our freedom, what did he redeem us or purchase our freedom with? His blood and his body. He redeemed us, purchased our freedom from the curse of the law, which is every sickness and every disease. Now notice, having become a curse for us. Well, when was he cursed for us? On the cross. And that's why it says, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So, I, so Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us on the cross. On the cross, he purchased our freedom from the curse of the law, which was sin and sickness. That the blessing of Abraham, verse 14, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Every blessing that was ever offered to the children of Israel was, was, was a, uh, a, uh, an extension of or an expression of the blessing of Abraham. Every time he healed them, every time he kept them well, it was part of the blessing of Abraham. Remember what it says in, in Psalm, uh, is it 105? He brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among them. Surround the 30-something verse, you drop down the 42nd verses, for he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. See, healing, prosperity, blessing is in the redemptive work of God. So you see it right there. And we also saw it in, in, Mark, in uh, Matthew 8, 17. Go with me over to 1 Peter 2, 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. <clears throat> Verse 21 says, for to you, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us. Well, when did he suffer for us? On the cross. Leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Notice, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Where did that come from? Isaiah 53. We read it a few minutes ago. There was no, there was no sin and no deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, 
who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. What tree? The cross. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Woo, glory. When sin tries to present itself to you, the best thing you can do is say, I died to that. I died to that impulse. I'm dead to that. I, I, I was crucified with Christ and I'm dead to that. I died to sin once and for all. I'm not, I'm not entertaining that. I'm dead to that. that. That temptation is just in my flesh. No, you don't. I'm dead to that. Well, when sickness comes up, you can say, I'm dead to that too. No, no, no. That pain, that disease, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. I died to that. I live under righteousness and I live under healing. Now, what about, you say, well, that's good. I'll do that next time. But what about the things you're already suffering with? What, what about the sicknesses that have been long? You've been dealing with a long time. What about that? If you'll put this word in you, if you'll just put it in you, listen, don't, here's a mistake. Here's a, here's a, a mistake people get tripped off with. They say, now I'm gonna believe this and I'm expecting everything to change today. I'm gonna believe this right now. You've been on medicine for 19 years for this particular ailment. You've been having treatments. You've been going to the doctor all of your life, being treated for something. And now I'm gonna believe this and by this afternoon, all my symptoms are gonna be gone. Don't, don't, get, don't, even, don't even get caught up with when it's gonna happen. You'll get, you'll get yourself tripped up. Start believing this scripture. You have to be able to separate what you believe from what you're experiencing. You have to be able to separate those two things. You have to separate what's in your heart from what's in your body and what your body's telling you. You have to be able to separate those things. And so if you've been dealing with something for many, many years, Jesus, just put a name on it right now, all across the congregation. Just name something in your mind that you've been dealing with. Jesus bore that on the cross. He bore that sickness, that infirmity, that condition, that whatever it is, that physical ailment, Jesus bore that on the cross 2,000 years ago so that you wouldn't have to bear it. So what do you do? You start believing that. You start saying that. Don't even entertain, yell, but I still feel this way. Don't have, don't have, don't even, don't fellowship with those thoughts. Don't fellowship with that reality. It's real. In the physical realm, it's real. Keep taking your medicine until the Lord tells you not to. Keep taking your medicine. Don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. it listen, taking medicine or not taking medicine has nothing to do with faith. You, you, you don't have more faith by not taking medicine, nor do you have less faith by taking medicine. Taking medicine's got nothing to do with it. At this stage, at the stage we're dealing with right now, simply start feeding your spirit every day and make sure you remind yourself during the day. 
Whatever you have to do. If you have to put little cards in your pocket that every time you reach in your pocket or open your purse, there it is. You just take that out, that one scripture out and just, and just thank God for it and read it. Just, you can do it just for a moment, standing in the checkout line. Listen, start doing that and, and put your symptoms on the shelf and leave them over there. And just start feeding on this and feeding on this and feeding on this. There will arise in you, and it won't take that long. I don't know. How long does it take? I don't know. But it doesn't take that long. There will begin to arise on the inside of you a consciousness. Just an awareness will just begin to grow and grow and grow. Where you actually see yourself well. You actually believe you're well. You just keep feeding that. You just keep feeding that. You just keep feeding that and feeding that and feeding that till it gets bigger and bigger and bigger on the inside of you. And still, don't even deal with the symptom. Don't go to the doctor if you need to. Take your pills if you need to. There's nothing wrong with that. Just keep feeding that on the inside of you. And the day will come when you will suddenly know on the inside, you know, I don't need that medication. It's time to leave that off. God wants his people. Listen, you're not wrong. You're not a bad Christian if you're sick or if you allow, you know, disease in your body and, and go to the, the, going to the doctor is not wrong. They're fighting sickness and disease just like we are. They're just doing it with natural means. So you're not wrong or sinful or disappointing to God other than in the sense he just wants to see you enjoy everything that's yours. But just keep putting the word in you. Just keep putting it in you, putting it in you, putting it in you. Glory to God. Until it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm telling you, along the way, the awareness of, of what you have. And every time that symptom comes and every time you have to take something, you just... You know, you just, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even phase you. It doesn't trouble you. doesn't phase you. You can look in the mirror and see that condition and just laugh because you know that you know that you know that Jesus bore it. And if you'll stay with that, just stay with it. See, if you're going to walk in victory, you're going to you're gonna have to exert some effort. Blessings of God are not going to fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree. You're going to have to put forth some diligence. That's what it said in, in, in we didn't read the next verse in, in Proverbs 4. He said, guard your heart with all diligence. See, it's not a matter of guarding your body so much as guarding your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, with all vigilance. Above everything else you, that you guard, guard your heart. So you can have, you can have doubt in your mind. As long as you have faith in your heart. It's what's in your heart that's important. You can have pain in your body and still have faith in your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence above everything else that you guard. Why? The next part of that verse says, For out of it, out of your inward man, out of your spirit man, flow the springs of life, the issues of life. That life that the Holy Spirit quickens your mortal body with. Through the word of God, it comes out of your inward man. And, and the, the, uh, the time will arise when that, when that flow will become so great that sickness will just begin to eliminate it. So just begin to be taken out. Glory to God. God wants us well.
He wants us well. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Let me, let me just read one more scripture. It's only got nine verses. No, I'm just kidding. Us, uh, 103rd Psalm. 103rd Psalm. This, this again, this is just another passage that ties forgiveness and healing together in the redemptive work of Christ. The 100th Psalm, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all, and, no, excuse me, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget these benefits. Remind yourself every day of these benefits. What are the benefits? Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Oh, glory to God. Those are the twin mercies of God. He forgives all of your iniquities. He heals all of your disease. Would he, would he fail to forgive any iniquity? Would he fail to heal any disease? No. See, but, but again, you believe the one, don't believe the other. Start believing the other just as much as you believe the one. Amen. Who redeems your life from destruction. This is what he does. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. We talked about the tender mercies of God. It's his mercy that causes him to heal. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I tell you what, mm, God wants us well. Don't worry about what's not well. Just start focusing on the fact that your, your healing has been provided for, that by his stripes you are healed. Get that in you. <laughs> Get it in you. Glory to God. It'll change your whole life. It'll change your whole life. Glory to God. There's a book my, my, my primary care doctor recommended me about three years ago. I never read it. I should have, but I didn't. It's a book on exercise and I didn't read it. But anyway... <laughs> But I like the title of the book. The title of the book was Younger Next Year. And he was basically saying if you'll eat better and exercise better, you'll, you'll be better next year than you are now. So I, I like the title, Younger Next Year. Healthier next year. Healthier next year. Amen. Make that a goal. I'm going to be healthier tomorrow than I am today. I'm going to be healthier next month, next year. I, I'm not saying put a time frame on it. I'm just saying down the road, I'm not getting worse. I'm getting better. I might not see it. I might not feel like it, but I'm getting better. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. We sing that song, I, I, I'll, I'll live and not die. In, in the scripture, it's reversed. It says, I will, uh, I will not die, but live. And declare the work of God. Amen. That, but now you're going to die one day unless Jesus comes back. That's talking about premature death. Start believing, I'm not going to die early. I'm not going to die from heart disease. I'm not going to die from diabetes. I'm not going to die from kidney disease. I'm not going to die from high blood pressure. I'm not going to die from cancer. I'm not going to die early. Yeah. Because I'm going to be better next year. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a hold of that couple of verses that said, uh, uh, by the fear of the Lord, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. I, 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 very, very often, 
In my morning devotions, I remind myself, I'm, I, I'm not getting closer to the end. I'm getting further and further away from the end. My days are actually getting longer. My years are actually being extended. They're not, I'm, not, I'm not moving toward, I mean, that, the, the, the time of my departure, if Jesus tarries, is getting, is getting further and further away from me every day. So well, it's going to catch you one day. Well, we'll deal with that then. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Stuff is real. Treat it like it's real. Act like it's real. Confess it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.